It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. It is nearly impossible to get an abortion in Texas. The most restrictive abortion law in the country went into effect after the U.S. Supreme Court declined to act on a request to block it. Abortion providers say Texas has essentially outlawed 85% of abortion procedures, which will force many clinics to close. Amy Hagstrom-Miller runs four clinics providing abortion services and is one of the plaintiffs asking the Supreme Court to intervene. It's heartbreaking to deny them the care that our staff are fully trained um, and, and ready to provide. So really, most people are going to be forced to carry a pregnancy against their will. The law, signed by Republican Governor Greg Abbott, bans abortion once a so-called fetal heartbeat is detected, usually around six weeks. That was CBS News. This is Sandy Rios, and that's uh, that's a big story. It happened last week, and we weren't able to talk about it last week, so we're going to talk about it a little bit this morning. Tomorrow morning, uh, Carrie Severino is going to join us. Carrie is one of the nation's leading experts on the Supreme Court and on courts in general, and we will talk about you know kind of how this is going to play out. The Supreme Court has not has they didn't rule on the constitutionality of the Texas law, but they basically said we're not going to interfere. They're going to let it take effect. And so uh, the left is apoplectic right now. And you heard in part that CBS report that uh, Texas is outlawing abortions after a heartbeat can be detected, which is usually around six weeks. And the interesting thing about the the Texas law is that it will um, allow uh, – we'll have to talk to Carrie more about the details, but as best I understand – uh, the lawsuit won't be brought by government. It will be bought by, brought by individuals. And I'm, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm extrapolating here, maybe, maybe the father of one of these babies doesn't want uh, his girlfriend or wife uh, to, to abort their baby, and maybe he's the one that would bring the suit. I don't know. Maybe a mother, maybe a father who doesn't want his daughter to have an abortion. I, don't, I really don't know. But uh, if the individual is found to have violated the law, uh, they would have to pay $10,000 to the person who successfully brings the lawsuit. So it's really, it's very, it's a very strict law. And again, we'll talk with Carrie tomorrow a little bit more about the legal aspect of that. Uh, but you can imagine that the left is apoplectic. They are apoplectic. And uh, because they're worried that Roe versus Wade will be overturned or ignored. And they, you know, we can't have that because for whatever reason, I, you tell me, the left loves the bloodletting of abortion. They love it. It means more to them than almost anything. They will go, they will vote for almost anything, in, including the destruction of the country, as long as the person that they're considering uh, to cast their vote for will support abortion. And uh, they are passionate about it. They try to make it sound like it's good. It's really good, these abortions. They save women. But of course, it's really not true. Abortion was, I, I maintain, and I've been. <laughs> 
I've been fighting this issue for uh, several decades now. And the thing that always occurs to me is that abortion really is about men's freedom. Uh, Women in the long run, and I'm going to read you a few comments from women to show you that in the short term, many of them think this is great. It's freeing them. They're told by the feminists that they can be, you know, have the same opportunities as men. That was the mantra a long time ago. And on on some level, that's true, of course. But what they don't factor in is the personal trauma of going through an abortion. And as us, as much as they want to make it sound like it's, um, you know, like no big deal, it's a very big deal. I've heard too many testimonies from women who've had abortions and the emotional response and how the feeling of it. I, I, don't, I just don't feel like I want to get graphic about it on this mic right now. But let me just say that you don't just go in and take a pill and it's over. You have horrendous invasion of your internal parts and when you take the baby's life even though it's small it you know it you feel that suction you hear it you know you hear all kinds of really horrible sounds and that's what i've heard women describe and even though they may be temporarily relieved what we find is that much later in their lives they have tremendous regret that's why organizations have you know uh, sprung up where women express their regret over their abortions because sometimes they'll go on to have other children and they look uh, at their little babies and they think, wow, I, now I really understand what I did. I didn't maybe get it when I was 16 or maybe when I was 21 and starting my work life, but I understand. And they start to feel a gr- tremendous regret. You know, I would also argue because I know, <laughs> I know this, I, when I was on the, the air in Chicago one time, uh, because I discussed this issue so much, I thought I will do s- some issue on abortion had come to the the news. And I thought, you know, instead of talking to women, I'm just going to see if I, a couple of men would like to weigh in on this. And so I asked men to call um, if they had been affected by abortion. And guess what happened? I did a three-hour show then. My phone lines loaded up. And I got call after call after call after call of men, some of them weeping, some of them husbands with grown children, uh, talking about the trauma of um, either encouraging or having not being able to stop the abortion of their child and how they would remember, several of them said that they remembered the birth date. They would remember it every year and have this this heart stab of regret. So it's not just women. Uh, Men are factored out in this discussion, but they should not be. They are, after all, the fathers. And I would maintain that abortion is uh, really especially tailored for men who don't want any ties, who love their sexual freedom, who love to play around, married or unmarried, and they sure don't want to have to be tied to a baby and support it financially. So this is great for them because they actually can are the most likely, the groups I just gave you, they are the most likely to just forget it. They are just using women. Uh, and it's interesting, too. I think I think abortion has undermined future relationships because uh, couples, maybe they are very much in love, whatever that means, uh, and dating, and uh, the wife, the girl gets pregnant, and the boy says, you, we have to abort this baby. We're not ready. Of course, I love you, but, you know, uh, you have to finish school, and I have to finish school, yada, yada, yada. And then the girl uh, acquiesces because she loves this guy, and she goes and gets this abortion, but she's the one that has to go through 
the procedure. She's the one that has to see the blood and hear the sounds and suffer the pain of it. She's the one uh, who will always know that her body carried her child and uh, that she, by her own consent, uh, gave permission. And so maybe they go ahead to uh, have a relationship or to try, and he's relieved, and she is gradually looking at him with less and less and less respect because he was willing to kill their baby. And I think it's a breach not only of the mother's natural instinct uh, to love her children and to do whatever, to take, make whatever sacrifice, to do whatever, to stay up all night, to miss sleep, to work hard, to do laundry, to help your children. That's our natural instinct, to protect them uh, when they're cold, to cover them up. This is our natural instinct. It is not our natural instinct to terminate the lives of our babies. And it's not, on the other hand, the natural instinct of a father to not protect his children. It is a violation of God's creation of the way he created men and women to enter into this. And so I think it has destroyed relationships, destroyed marriages, uh, destroyed respect, uh, ruined women's lives. And yet, hey, it's a woman's right to choose, they tell us. All right, back to this. So... um, The liberal activists, of course, are furious with Texas, and they are demanding boycotts. And just to kind of remind you what that means, that's boycotts like they did in Georgia. Georgia uh, passed a strict abortion law, and they they started uh, moving out um, movies, uh, movie-making organizations. Uh, Remember Delta Airlines over the voting bill? Uh, started uh, agreeing that Georgia's terrible, no-good voting law, which really simply restored order a bit to the chaos that had been Georgia, you know, requiring voter ID and some horrendous things like that. Because, of course, we all know that black people can't possibly find an ID. They're just not capable. You tell me that's not racist, by the way. All right, so but they so they boycotted uh, Georgia, and they caused, wreaked all kind of havoc. They did the same thing in North Carolina over the bathroom bill, and they want to do that to Texas. Um, the Lincoln Project, the Lincoln Project, the never-Trumper Republicans are weighing in on this. This is what they say. National companies headquartered in Texas are forcing hundreds and thousands of employees to live and work in a state that not only ignores their constitutional rights, but is actively trying to take them away. The Lincoln Project. Lincoln Project. I think of Kellyanne Conway's husband, George, who's right in the center of all that, aren't they? They're they're really Republican. What are they? Oh, they've done so much damage. The Lincoln Project. Oh, my goodness. Abraham Lincoln... Uh, one of my favorite presidents, rivaling only George Washington, would be rolling over in his grave uh, if he knew they had to- stolen his name. But nevertheless, that's them. Uh, and so uh, this is Hollywood types are speaking up. They want to boycott Texas, and we'll see what happens with that. There's Dell and Southwest Airlines. Those are the two of the bigger ones that are located there. So we'll just see, you know. Uh, what effect they have. They probably do something terrible to Texas. You can count on it. The Justice Department now must come to the rescue. Joe Biden cannot allow this to happen in the state of Texas. We must go after them. So U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland has said that the Biden administration is, you know, looking, rushing to find ways to stop, you know, this law. Uh, SB8, it's known as. And so uh, Merrick Garland went on record yesterday saying the Justice Department, no, that's not his quote, Um, The Justice Department will continue to protect 
those seeking to obtain or provide reproductive, reproductive health services, they always, they have been so good. They are so good at language, the left. Reproductive health services, that means, you know, uh, dismembering and dismantling and sometimes stealing, taking the parts of babies, you know, to, uh, you know, to sell and make money. That's what Planned Parenthood has been accused of, and we think they're likely very guilty of that. Uh, so, but it's reproductive health services. That's the title they give it. And so um, they're doing everything they can, you know, to, to look into this. And sure, we'll be hearing more about that. And so um, I thought Lila Rose had a great response to that. She said, the Justice Department should be focused on protecting our basic rights, including our right to life, not on acting as the abortion industry's personal attorneys before a relevant lawsuit is even in process. Good for you, Lila. Good for you. And so, um, so that's, uh, yeah, that's the first part of that. Then um, in uh, Texas, in these uh, like whole women's health clinic, and I'm sure the other clinics too, they're rushing to do as many abortions as possible. And uh, women are reporting being relieved and happy after having their last minute procedures. In fact, they have a whole, we have a, they have a whole list of testimonies in this article. 21-year-old sex worker said she was sick with worry that she would have to have a baby. Ever since I was a teenager, and then especially when I started doing sex work, I knew that if I got pregnant, I would get an abortion. Uh, I know Texas is very conservative, and I figured there might be a lot of judgment, and it might be a little hard, but I never seriously considered that it wouldn't be, wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be able to get an abortion at all. Uh, and they just, I feel so relieved. This is a big weight off my shoulders. And there are those that believe and have pushed for so many years that... Um, Having a baby is uh, like punishment. Barack Obama said that. Remember having a baby? You don't want that. just punishment. And they never stop to think about how a, an abortion frees you up for what? Like in this girl's case, she's a sex worker, so she can have now sex with multiple partners. And that, of course, will have no effect on her life. Uh, but having the baby, that would have been that would have been horrific. We can't have that. And so the abortion clinics are rushing, you know, to perform abortions. It's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, we have been twisted and wicked for a long time. You know, you sometimes wonder uh, how God has had as much patience with us as a nation. Um, and so I fear for my country. I fear for my countrymen. Uh, but um, nevertheless, we continue to speak the truth and try to pull people out who are willing to hear from that whole delusion of wickedness. This is Sadie Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20, every gift matched. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Yes Word, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. God bless you for caring. This is Pause to Pray. 
A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Steve Dixon, Administrator for the Federal Aviation Administration. The FAA regulates all aspects of civil aviation in the United States, including airports, air traffic, and commercial space vehicles. Psalm 232, 7 and 8 reminds us of the protection we seek from God as we travel. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Steve Dixon as he oversees our country's civil aviation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. A social justice group in Dallas wants white liberals to sacrifice their children's education on the altar of critical race theory. Dallas Justice Now is calling for white people to sign a pledge vowing not to send their kids to Ivy League schools. Dallas Justice Now says the spots vacated by white children should be offered to black kids, Hispanic kids, and other marginalized people. The pledge calls on those of us of the Caucasian persuasion to recognize that we have privilege from our whiteness. I have no doubt that some liberal parents will absolutely sign that pledge. Can you imagine? Trust fund Tommy planning to go to Harvard to get an MBA only to end up at welding school. That being said, the country would be better off if more parents, black and white, sent their kids to a trade school or a Christian school. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. High news private evacuations tell Fox News that the State Department is the only reason their planes have not left Afghanistan. This is a satellite image here showing six planes just sitting on the tarmac. And there is confusion over what exactly is causing the holdup. One of the people involved in the evacuation effort says the U.S. is refusing to confirm if flights have been cleared for takeoff and is banning them from landing in nearby countries. They say, quote, this is zero place to be negotiating with American lives. Those are our people standing on the tarmac, and all it takes is a phone call. If one life is lost as a result of this, the blood is on the White House's hands. A State Department spokesperson responding with this statement, quote, We understand the concern that many people are feeling as they try to facilitate further charter and other passage out of Afghanistan. We do not have personnel on the ground. We do not have air assets in the country. We do not control the airspace, whether over Afghanistan or elsewhere in the region. Given these constraints, we also do not have a reliable means to confirm the basic details of charter flights, including who may be organizing them, the number of U.S. citizens and other priority groups on board, the accuracy of the rest of the manifest, and where they plan to land, among many other issues. 
Meantime, Republican Congressman Michael McCall claiming passengers on some planes trying to leave Afghanistan are essentially being held hostage by the Taliban. Watch. We have hundreds of American citizens left behind enemy lines in Afghanistan as I speak. We have six airplanes at Maza Sharif Airport, six airplanes with American citizens on them as I speak, uh, also with these interpreters, and the Taliban is holding them hostage for demands. Oh, that was a report from Outnumbered. And so if you listen carefully, you heard the girl from Outnumbered say, report, uh, that the State Department is holding up those planes with American citizens and Afghan uh, people that helped us on the tarmac. You can see it in the report, uh, as in that report. And also Chris Wallace had um, Congressman McCall on on Sunday, and McCall repeated well, he said, and this, that's the clip she played, that it's, uh, no, it's the Taliban. It's the Taliban that are holding them. It's the Taliban. But meanwhile, I have to say, it's uh, according to people that are actually helping with the flights, no, no, it's not the Taliban. It's the Biden State Department. In fact, I'll read this report from Fox to you. It's Americans involved in private evacuation efforts tell Fox News that the State Department is the only reason their planes haven't left Afghanistan. Americans engaged in the rescue of U.S. citizens, SIVs, and green card holders left behind by President Biden in Afghanistan are horrified by what they describe as inexplicable delays from the State Department that are preventing evacuation flights from leaving the country. The State Department's delays are recklessly endangering American lives. Three different individuals involved in the private evacuation effort told Fox News. Only one of them wanted to give his name because the others are still um, sort of, um, you know, in process and don't want their identities to be known yet. Rick Clay is one of them. He runs a private rescue group called Plan B, uh, and he's affirmed, again, the only thing that's stopping them from getting those flights out is Joe Biden's State Department. This is zero place to be negotiating with American lives. Those are our people standing on the tarmac, and it takes, and all it takes is a blanking phone call. One of those individuals, oh, and that's a, that is a that's the one that doesn't want to be identified. If one life is lost as a result of this, the blood is on the White House's hands. The blood is on their hands. It is not the Taliban holding this up. As much as it sickens me to say it, is that it is the United States government. Um, and uh, he speculated that he thinks it's partly embarrassment that private individuals are being rescued and the government didn't bother to do that. Um, the military command over Al-Udid Air Force Base in Doha, Cutter have informed those seeking clearance to land that they must first go through the State Department to gain approval. Clay, who is the guy who's uh, the head of this Plan B, has a manifest of 4,500 names of U.S. citizens, green card holders, SIVs, and refugees trying to get to stateside. So far, they've given the State Department 800 names for the first round of flights. Uh, Clay told Fox News that his organization is having problems getting permission. Uh, and uh, they can't take them to a neighboring country because they can't get permission from the State Department. It's not allowing any private charters carrying refugees to land anywhere in nearby countries if they are coming out of Afghanistan and is making different excuses as to why such as point, pointing to the lack of air traffic controllers and radar issues. Um, and I want to get – there's so many other things. Okay, if you don't believe those guys, then you might um, see. There's a, there's a New Yorker columnist who used to work for the New York Times who's affirming this. He was also, I can't seem to find it. Here it is. David Rode. 
Uh, he was a former New York Times reporter. In fact, he was kidnapped at gunpoint in 2008 by the Taliban. And he is saying, he is saying that the White House and the State Department are holding up charter planes at an airport in Afghanistan's Mazar-e-Sharif that would transport 19 Americans and 40 SIV holders. And uh, so that's just another report. So we've got to go back to Mike McCall because I want to. I want to go back to Congressman Mike McCall because he said very, very affirmatively it is the Taliban holding them up. He went on to spin, you know, more of that tale, but I'm not even going to play it because I have no patience. And if you, if that rings a bell, my irritation with Mike McCall, think Benghazi. Mike McCall covered up what happened in Benghazi over and over. He went, he was a television hog as he misdescribed what was actually happening. He covered actually for the Obama administration. I also know that Mike McCall is terrible on immigration. He talks out of both sides of his mouth. He sounds as though he's concerned, but he actually undermines and sabotages, and did certainly, uh, President Trump's uh, good proposals for immigration. So I don't trust him. And those of you in Texas, if you don't know that already, uh, you need to reconsider who you're voting for down there because Mike McCall just lied on uh, Chris Wallace on Sunday to tell you that to cover for President Biden. Oh, no, 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 it's not the State Department. It's, not, it's, uh, it's the Taliban. It's all their fault. That's, pretty, that's a pretty big, uh, bold misrepresentation. And by the way, the State Department uh, took credit for the rescue of four Americans from Afghanistan. And the organizer, Corey Mills, uh, and a private team of military veterans said it's a total lie. Uh, they, they did some announcement. This is their announcement, the State Department. State Department said, U.S. has facilitated the safe departure of four U.S. citizens by overland route from Afghanistan. Embassy staff was present upon their arrival. But those actually involved in the dangerous rescue operation say the State Department deserves little to no credit for Mariam's escape from Afghanistan. Corey Mills and a private team of military veterans drawing on funding by private donors, including the Sentinel Foundation, led the effort to rescue Mariam and her three children from Afghanistan, where they had been left behind. And they talk about just the nightmare of trying to get in there and trying to get her out, and now the State Department is taking credit. And that might have a congressman from Oklahoma, the one you can trust, uh, Mark Wayne Mullen. Remember that he disappeared in Afghanistan uh, last week. I told you about that, and then we found out that he went dark uh, they claim that he got into a dispute with um, a d- State Department officials, and it sounds like maybe he actually did get into a dispute with them. He did a long interview with um, Brett Baer this week, and maybe I'll try to play as much of this as I can, you guys. Um, let's start with uh, let's just start with 18, where he lays it right on the line what actually happened. And here, here we are, the United States government, and we're negotiating with the Taliban to get American citizens out, and then the President of the United States is going to go to the mic and say that every American that wanted out got out? I have a list of 50 that won out that they haven't got out. I have a list of 50 that we've ran out of Kabul and put in safe houses around Afghanistan that I promise you they wanted out. You think we're going to get these people out? We're going to get some, but there's going to be some that's going to die because of the failure from President Biden. I promise you that. At some point, they're going to lose patience and aren't going to keep letting us drive past these checkpoints and paying them off. Sorry, taxes. You know, that's what they call it, tax. Um, and, and when I say that blood is on his hands, that means the President Biden's hands, I mean that with everything in my heart. It's his fault. I wouldn't have been over there. I wouldn't even thought about going if it wasn't for his failure. 
I wouldn't have put I wouldn't have put my life in danger. I wouldn't have put my kids and my wife through that. I wouldn't have put anybody through it. And you'd do it again. Without even hesitation. Hmm. I don't know why that's fading, but it was fading, but I think we reached the end of it. Mark Wayne Mullen, again, the congressman from Oklahoma. And so uh, he's telling he's telling you very clearly what he saw. Now, while he was gone, of course, they made him out to be, they tried to, uh, some cowboy who was going into Afghanistan on his own, you know, was going to cause trouble, and he caused trouble at the embassy and the State Department. Well, he, re- he defended himself to Brett Baer a little bit on this, and I want you to hear this part. This is clip 17. Yeah, I never pretended to be Rambo. Um, we were surrounded by great people. I, I, of all the guys that I was working with, I'm the low man on the totem pole, and I understood that. But they felt like I could be an assistance to them. How? Um, logistically, maybe open the doors for them, making phone calls, um, and, uh, and and being able to take in the SIVs or the AMSETs as they came onto the plane. Uh, and and that was the plan. That plan changed. And, and it changed when we wasn't allowed to get into Afghanistan. We quickly realized that the, 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 the president and the State Department, General Milley, General McKenzie, were lying to the, to the American people by saying everybody that wanted out could get out. That's, that's a lie. That is a bold-faced, 100% lie because we're working with these individuals. And you know today that there are just a bunch of them still stuck there. Right now, as we speak, Right before we, we, we started talking, I called the guys that are still over there, and they said there was five planes setting at uh, Mez, Mez Sharif, with um, AMSETs, SIVs, and refugees on it. And we American citizens, uh, special immigrant special visas. Special immigration visas and refugees. Just, uh-huh. And they may be P1, P2s, which are levels of refugees to, right. that we can get out. Um, but they can't get clearance to get out because no country is willing to help. And we called the State Department about this. The State Department said, we're not in control of the airspace. We're not handling any of that. Well, it's our mess. I don't care which way you think about it. It's our mess. The United States created this vacuum to allow the Taliban to come in. The, the President Biden, in his horrific withdrawal, has caused this to happen. Do you have any regrets about what you did? Absolutely not. i do it again tomorrow. I, we, we were saving people's lives. Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen, I, I want to point something out. There, I just featured two congresspersons just now, two congressmen, one from Texas, Mike McCall, and one from Oklahoma, Mark Wayne Mullen. One went on television and completely lied about the State Department uh, having nothing to do with the inability of planes who are lined up at the airport in Kabul. Uh, or even other refugees, uh, that the State Department's not trying to get them. It's not stopping them. It's the, uh, it's the, uh, F- the um, sorry, Taliban. That's what he said. This guy from Texas, the guy that those of you in his district in Texas that you elected, it's interesting to me the difference one man can make. Uh, Mike McCall was one of the big reasons Benghazi was never, we, were, we never got in there. We never did what was right because he lied about it. He stonewalled it. And yet he's, uh, you know, he's got great hair, and he loves to go on television. And you, he makes you think he's a conservative, but he is not. I always say to you, look at what a man does. Nobody says, look at what a man does. And so let's look at another man who's a congressman, the one from Oklahoma, Mark Wayne Mullen. What did he do? He took his life into his own hands. It was very dangerous to go there. He said in another part of that interview that, of course, his wife would, didn't really want him to go. He's got a family. And he said, I'm not Rambo, 
uh, but they they ask him to come. The, the guys on that mission ask him to come because he was a congressman and he was in sympathy with what they were trying to do, and they felt he could open doors more than they can because they're just private citizens. He's a U.S. congressman. And so he put himself, he put his life on the line. I would say look at what uh, he did and think about what who the kind of person you want to vote for. Do you want a Mike McCall? Or do you want a, a, a Mark Wayne Mullen? And I, I, the reason that we... Big reason that we are in the situation we're in is that we have failed in our civic duty, especially Christians have. Uh, not all, of course. A lot. Of, I, I won't talk. I'm not going to do the excuse. Uh, let's just say a lot of people have fought, but more, most of Christians have not. Politics has just been too, you know, icky. I don't get involved in that. And yet, you know, God is in everything. Have you not figured out that God is in everything? I just uh, on Friday interviewed a good friend of mine. If you we replayed it on uh, Monday, I mean yesterday. Uh, he's a DJ in the Chicago major market on WLS. He's been my friend for years. Committed believer, functioning in that world, in that completely godless world for the most part, you know, rock music, uh, rock stars, all of it. And yet he has been steadfast and has had tremendous op- uh, opportunities. He's been one of the top in his field. So don't tell me that God is not in everything and you can't do this or that because it's an icky profession. I'm not talking about stripping or prostituting. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the otherwise, uh, a police, being a police officer, a mayor, you know, a city council person. There is ministry in everything that we do. We don't have to be labeled. You know, um, we don't have to have an official a title of some sort of a mission. God calls us to be on mission wherever we are. And that's why when good people uh, who, are, who believe in truth and righteousness and justice, real justice, they deserve our support because our God wants truth and justice. And if we love him and we love justice, then justice demands, as far as I'm concerned, that we vote for people who are just and want justice. And so um, I know you probably don't need this lecture right now because I think most of you are understanding uh, that the wheels are coming off this beautiful bus that God has allowed us to be raised and nurtured in. And you really do know why. We've been asleep at the wheel. We have horrific politicians uh, ruling us, and uh, they've gained power now. And uh, we are we are ruining the day that we didn't do more. And so, but it's not too late. So I always say, you know, morning by morning, new mercies I see. I I think that almost every single day that every day is new and a fresh start. So uh, you know, I always start the show saying, say something, do something. So uh, that's the same challenge almost every moment. And so, um, all right, so when we come back, I have a lot of uh, information for you. Oh, really interesting stuff coming out about COVID and vaccines and boosters and, you know, all of that. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. I interviewed family counselor Dr. Kathy Cook about practical ways that families can overcome too much technology in the home. Be a tech-wise family in a tech-driven world. An article by Rebecca Davis. She just gave really great practical ideas about replacing that technology. It becomes easier for your family to actually engage with each other instead of with the screen that's in front of them. To read this article and more, visit afajournal.org. Christians today are burdened with feelings like guilt, discouragement, loneliness, and grief. But it doesn't have to be that way. This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shows us how to overcome the emotional mountains that keep us from experiencing the blessed life. 
Learn how to move from discouragement to hope and from guilt to repentance this week on Pathway to Victory. Weekday mornings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Many who oppose Christianity target their hostility on our foundation, the Bible. They say it's unreliable because Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are contradictory accounts of the creation story. In actuality, the two chapters are complementary and not contradictory. When Jesus was asked about marriage, he quoted from both chapters 1 and 2 in saying that he made them both to be male and female in the beginning. And for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. Genesis 1 is an overview of the creation story. Genesis 2 is an up-close examination of day 6. If Jesus relies on them both, so can we. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Emmy was in a bad relationship when she found out she was pregnant. Her boyfriend told her to get an abortion, which she seriously considered. I knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Emmy went to a preborn center in need of guidance. They honestly were able to put every fear at ease and let me know that it was going to be okay. Because of them, he's here. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Preborn clinics introduce moms in crisis to their babies through ultrasound while providing hope, love, and the gospel in action. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The betrayal of our country involved in Joe Biden's humiliating strategic defeat in Afghanistan has prompted calls for his resignation, impeachment, and even his court-martialing. As awareness grows that a prime beneficiary of this debacle is the Chinese Communist Party, the fact that it has deeply compromised the president and his team can only reinforce demands for accountability. Unfortunately, other betrayals are also aiding communist China. Even uber-leftist George Soros recognizes that, quote, the U.S. and China are engaged in a life-and-death conflict, unquote, and warns Americans should not invest in such an enemy. Yet, Politico reports that Wall Street and other business groups are working with so-called progressives on Capitol Hill to block legislative initiatives aimed at punishing the CCP for its human rights abuses and national security threats. Such betrayals must be terminated forthwith, and costs accrue to their perpetrators. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook, or email Sandy at sandy at AFR.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. There's a reason you have to have a doctor to get a prescription for this stuff, because it can be dangerous. Dr. Jason McElier saying patients are packing southeastern Oklahoma emergency rooms, taking ivermectin doses meant for a full-sized horse, believing false claims it could fight COVID-19. The ERs are so backed up, 
that gunshot victims were having hard times getting to facilities where they could get definitive care and be treated. Something Miguelier says is now backing up small town ambulance systems too. All of their ambulances are stuck at the hospital waiting for a bed to open so that they can take the patient in and they don't have any, that's it. But if there's no ambulance to come to the call, there's no ambulance to come to the call. Miguelier says many of his patients aren't even afraid of ivermectin, using it on their livestock. Now they're going to their local ag stores, ignoring the warning signs and figuring out a dosage themselves. So some people taking inappropriate dosages have actually put themselves in worse conditions than if they had caught COVID. Suffering nausea, vomiting, muscle aches, cramping, and that's only in minor cases. The scariest one that I've heard of and seen is people coming in with vision loss. Even the manufacturer saying there's no scientific or meaningful evidence that ivermectin is effective against the virus, but many store shelves still empty. You have to ask yourself, if I take this medicine, what am I going to do if something bad happens? What's your next step? What's your backup plan? Okay, that's uh, Oklahoma's KFOR TV news. Isn't that great for Dr. Fauci? And for the FDA and, um, you know, the NIH. I mean, isn't that a great story? Doesn't that, isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Because they just told us last week that ivermectin was really terrible and warned us about people taking it for the doses for animals. Uh, so this is the perfect story, isn't it? the perfect. Oklahoma, the doctor there, Dr. Jason McKellier, you just heard that. He talked about... They, people can't even get into the emergency room because if people are taking ivermectin and overdosing and the symptoms are much worse than they are for COVID. I mean, that's just a, that, man, that's enough to make me really rethink whether I did the right thing by letting, you know, seeing that my husband got that when he was deathly ill with COVID and probably make all of us think that. Except problem is, the problem is that it was a complete falsehood, complete lie, absolutely not true. Uh, the hospital uh, where Dr. McKillier is uh, not, he doesn't work for them. It's Northeastern Hospital System. He he works for them, but he hasn't been at the uh, emergency room or the hospital, that particular one, in two months. And, uh, they ha- and so this is what the hospital actually said. Uh, they issued a statement, and they said, um, Mr. McKellier is affiliated with the med- medical staff. He has not worked in the location in question for two months, nor has he treated any ivermectin do- overdoses. Although Dr. Jason McKellier is not an employee of NHS Sequoia, he is affiliated with a medical staffing group that provides coverage for our emergency room. With that said, Dr. McKellier has not worked at our, I'm repeating, has not worked at our Salisaw location in over two months. NHS Sequoia has not treated any patients due to complications related to taking ivermectin. This includes not treating any patients for ivermectin overdose. Uh, Furthermore, the NHS insisted that patients are not being turned away for emergency care in contrast with recent reports. It goes on and on. So here's the deal. The the magazine that just first printed that and, you know, gave this doctor all this coverage is Rolling Stone. And now they've been forced to issue an update. They didn't call a retraction, just an update. Uh, Because, you know, I mean, it has to remain partially true. And if you tell a lie often enough, people do listen to it. And so they can't completely retract it, even though it's a complete and utter falsehood. Uh, So it's just just shocking. This is the kind of nonsense that's going on uh, around um, the country. I want to 
move to, um, I want to go overseas for a second, because the Australian uh, Premier of Victoria, uh, Daniel Andrews, I have to say the, the um, whether it's New Zealand, Australia, uh, New South Wales, Britain, Canada, they are some of the worst in the world for how they are treating their people and taking away their freedoms. And I'll just give you a little taste of this. This is, again, the... Uh, the Australian Premier of Victoria, Daniel Andrews. Listen to what he says to his people. Clip five. From a situation where to protect the health system, we've got everybody locked down. We're going to move to a situation where to protect the health system, we're going to lock out people who are not vaccinated and can be. If you're making the choice not to get vaccinated, then you're making the wrong choice. You're making the wrong choice. And for safety's sake, and for the back to that point about how much work our nurses have to do, as this becomes absolutely a pandemic of the unvaccinated and we open everything up, it's not going to be safe for people who are not vaccinated to be roaming around the place spreading the virus. That's what they'll be that's what they'll be doing. So there's every reason, every reason uh, to get vaccinated. And there are appointments available, and there'll be even more appointments available throughout September, October, November. Let's get to those thresholds as fast as we possibly can. But yes, there's going to be a vaccinated economy, and you get to participate that. You get to participate in that if you are vaccinated. Now that's not right now because, of course, there's many more people who want to get vaccinated than we actually can get through the system. But we're going to get to a point where everybody who can get vaccinated will have been offered the chance to do so, and we are not going to have a situation, well, at least not in Victoria, where. We lock the whole place down to protect people who won't protect themselves. These go and get vaccinated. There's 11,000 AZ appointments available this week, 2,000 Pfizer appointments available this week. We'll have more to say with those additional stocks coming in from overseas, but I want to run that down to zero so there are no more AstraZeneca appointments, hopefully very soon, and we can order more and we can keep pushing that. I just again remind people, uh, the Prime Minister has written to everybody who's 60 and over and indicated to them that you are eligible for AstraZeneca and if you want Pfizer then you will be in the queue behind everyone else. That is to say, you'll be in the queue behind 12 year olds because they can only get Pfizer. It's amazing, isn't it, how people um, love the power that this has given some of them. And I mean, I'm seeing this in leaders, you know, mayors in this in this country, and we could go into that, but I won't right this minute. Uh, but loving issuing these things, you know, the mayor of uh, the governor of New York, they just power up. It's like they love uh, controlling people. It's amazing, and it, it does kind of help you understand how um, I'll just pick on the Nazis because you know that comes to my mind. How regular people became Nazis and exerted power over other people, their neighbors and other people, and they just kind of liked it. They got kind of high on it. It wasn't like mass murderers who became Nazis. It was like uh, bakers and you know street cleaners and you know uh, people who newspapermen. It was people who had jobs and were your neighbors. They were the ones who ended up working in the death camps. It wasn't some strange breed of weird people. It was people. And so uh, they're loving doing this. And so he talks, you know, we, he talks about this pandemic of the unvaccinated. And, you know, we keep hearing that too, don't we? A problem is, the problem is, uh, I told you, for instance, in Israel, uh, they have almost 100% vaccination because they forced everyone to take it. And, and yet they're having an outbreak. They're having an outbreak of COVID. Now, how does that happen? They're having such an outbreak of COVID that Sweden... 
if this isn't ironic, I don't know what is. Let's just say by contrast to south, the southern part of Australia, Sweden is banning travelers from Israel, which is one of the most vaccinated nations. Sweden became the second European Union country to ban Israeli residents from entry due to a rise in COVID cases in Israel, despite the country being one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. Portugal on Wednesday was the first EU country to ban travel from Israel due to rise in cases. And so, so let's see. Wait a second. But isn't this a pandemic of the unvaccinated? Well, if it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, how come we have to have a booster now? How, uh, I, how how does that work? Why do we need a booster? I thought the vaccinated were safe. We were told, you know, 96, 99% safe, and then it kind of slipped, and now it's like 43% you are safe uh, if you have the um, the Pfizer vaccination, but uh, the, it's losing its efficacy now. We have to have a booster because it's not working, and now some countries are banning people who've been vaccinated because they're breaking out in COVID. Just, does that make sense to you? Does it, does it make sense to you that maybe a lot of this is just not true? It should. It should make sense to you. In fact, um, this, New Zealand is going crazy. They're going crazy over this. And I have in my hand, oh, wait, I just tossed it over. Well, okay, I dropped it. It's too far for me to grab it. But I think the story was that they've got one person who has COVID, the first case in six months, the first case in six months, and they're going crazy, uh, locking down their citizens. Okay, so um, okay, so other stories, because I want to give you some good stories if I can. I, I want to say to those of you who are in the military, the Pentagon uh, is now threatening that they have a range of tools to compel service members to get the COVID-19 vaccine. And I want to remind you that if you're in the service, firstliberty.org is offering a special help for veterans, or not veterans, for current military active duty uh, to try to help you uh, to push back on this. It's firstliberty.org. And so I just wanted to tell you that. Also, um, okay, this is the good news. Well, this is kind of fun. Uh, the the New England Patriots head coach, uh, Bill Belichick, was on, I think it was ESPN. And I just kind of enjoyed this exchange. I thought you might too. Let's listen. You're pointing out that uh, you said it was a high number of players who've been vaccinated have been affected by COVID as well. I guess the point with Cam was that he what, he didn't get sick, but he was still affected by it. So that didn't play a role in, in your decision? No, we have other players on the team who weren't vaccinated, as I would say probably as every other team in the league. And we've had uh, minimal, but throughout the league, there have been a number of, quite a high number, I would say, of players who have you know, had the virus who have been vaccinated. So your implication that vaccination solves every problem is just not really, I would say that that has not been substantiated based on what's happened in training camp this year. That's all. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty pretty courageous, isn't it? When the NFL is caving like, you know, all these teams, and he's saying, well, you you know, we have a lot of uh, players who've been vaccinated and now have the virus. Uh, so you're saying you're kind of saying that the 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 vaccination you're claiming it has more ability than it has, and so God bless Bill Belichick for speaking the truth when it's so hard. I'm going to give you a couple of other examples of people pushing back uh, to, to encourage you. Our good friends, uh, Thomas More Society out of Chicago, was representing uh, the uh, John MacArthur's Church in California, and you remember that um, he would not shut down, would not shut down, and went through a lot. They, I think they took away the parking lot of the church. 
that they have had 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 for decades. Uh, they did a lot of things to make it really hard for Grace Community Church uh, to to function. But now uh, it didn't work out so well for the California government because uh, the they've had to agree to pay eight hundred thousand dollars and a prevailing party attorney's fees to a popular Christian megachurch in Los Angeles after state and federal courts in California issued permanent injunctions barring government officials from ever again imposing discriminatory restrictions on houses of worship. John MacArthur said, We are grateful for our Lord's protection and providence through this past year. Our commitment to the Word of God and His Church has never wavered. We have simply continued to stand firm, as we always have and always will. We put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Over the past year, our congregation has seen his hand of blessing in ways like never before, and the Lord's promise has been realized, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I just thought you'd love to know that there's something really good happening. Also, down in Florida, uh, the governor of Florida (laughs) has started fining businesses $5,000 for violations of the vaccine passport ban. So if local governments or entities are forcing people to show evidence of, you know, having a vaccine, $5,000 ban. Also, Governor DeSantis is withholding payment from, I believe it's school boards and people affiliated with them. Uh, He's withholding their uh, pay until they stop forcing children in schools to wear masks. So people are fighting back and they are prevailing. And so we must not quit. Uh, We have to just keep speaking the truth. And one really important thing I want to leave you with, I'm going to talk about this much more fully this week, but I promised that I would look into finding uh, uh, more help for you. Uh, for some, I know a lot of you are sick with COVID and looking desperate for help. Myfreedoctor.com is a completely new entity. I'm going to do an complete interview with them about what they do. That you don't use insurance. You call them. They will prescribe whatever you need. And then if you want to give, you can give a donation. If you can't afford it, they will still take care of you. It's myfreedoctor.com. Some of the best minds in the country on this issue are working with this. It's myfreedoctor.com. Okay, so um, uh, Frontline Doctors is having a little bit of a struggle technically right now, and so that's why some of you have not heard back from them. So myfreedoctor.com. Okay, thanks for listening. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.